Hello, and welcome to the Study, Apply, Thrive podcast. I am Vita Cash, your host. I am the First Lady and Co-Pastor at Flow Church, and it is my honor to spend this time with you. What you're about to hear is a message that I taught at Flow Church in the month of February, and it's called The God of Our Expectations. I challenge everybody to think about what are you really expecting? Have you forgotten that God will meet your expectation, that he will do above and beyond what you can even ask or think? This is such a powerful word, and I want you to give it your full attention. So go ahead and grab your Bible, your pen, your tea. Let's get ready to get into the Word of God. Now, the name of this podcast is Study, Apply, Thrive, because we know that when we study and apply the Word of God, that we can thrive in every area of life. And it is my full expectation that you will thrive like never before this year. So go ahead and grab your things and let's get into the Word. Everybody and welcome to Flow Church. I am Pastor Vita Cash and my husband, Dr. Russell Cash is the senior pastor of our church. We are so happy that you are here with us today. If you are a longtime member, if you are a guest who's been with us several times, if you are a first time visitor, if you're a friend of a friend of a friend, if you just happen to stumble across our online campus, no matter how you got here, we are thrilled that you were here and we know that God's gonna bless your time here uh, with us today. So let's pray and get into the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just thank you for the opportunity to come before you, God. Father, we come to you with humble hearts, just asking you to fill us up this morning, God. Fill us up with your anointing, with your power, with your hope. God, just ignite our expectation and our faith in you so that we can live before you, God. And Father, we thank you for it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we've been having an absolutely wonderful year this year at Flow Church. We started the year out with the Be Still Challenge, and now we're in the middle of the Heartfield Health Devotional. And we're just having a great time just sitting before the Lord, examining our hearts, learning how to forgive, how to eat well, how to exercise well, how to love de- uh, deeply, how to go to God before we set our goals. And then once God gives us a goal or something to go after that we do it with the heart of an achiever or an accomplisher, that we have every expectation that whatever God has assigned us, that we're gonna have everything that we need to finish that assignment. And one word that you have heard Pastor Russell and I using all year long is expectation. We want you to be a believer who is firmly rooted in expectation that you get up every single day expecting God to move. You get up every single day expecting God to open doors for you, expecting his favor, expecting his grace and his mercy, expecting others to be kind to you, expecting your marriage to go well, expecting your health to be under the submission of the word of God. You just live in a state of expectation But without reminders, sometimes we might forget to expect God to move. We may kind of get into a rut that things just are what they are, and we just kind of wait for opportunities to come to us or wait for things to happen. But I want you to remember who you are as a man of God and who you are as a woman of God, that God gave you the ability to expect and your expectation or how you look at life and what you're looking towards has everything to do with what you're going to experience. And so it would be 
a great plan or device of the enemy to stop you from expecting for you to just have so many bad experiences that you no longer even expect anything good to happen. You're only looking for bad things to happen. And when something bad happens, you say, yeah, I expected that to happen because that's where your expectation lies. Well, I want to correct your course of thinking today and get you to be a believer who was always expecting God to move, always expecting to see the manifestation of the word in your life. And every time you have an encounter with God, you leave that encounter knowing God heard my prayer. God accepted my worship. He accepted, he accepted my offering. And so now I have an expectation that God is going to move on my behalf. And so let's start at Mark chapter nine. And I really wish we were in the sanctuary today because I would have loved to hear you guys say, yay. But I said, turn to Mark chapter nine, but turn to Mark chapter nine. And this is one of my favorite scriptures. And if you've heard me preach over a couple years, you have definitely heard me preach this before. And every time I read it, I get something more out of it. So don't look at it like, oh, Mark chapter nine again, look at it, expecting God to speak to you on this morning from Mark chapter nine. And this is when the father brings his son to Jesus because he wants his son to get healed. And we know very well, verse 23, and Jesus says to him, if thou can believe anything, all things are possible to him that believe. Verse 24 says, and straightway, the father of the son cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And usually when I teach this, and I've heard other people teach this this way as well, that this father had an element of unbelief. And so Jesus is ministering to him, getting him to believe. But we need to go back and look at the beginning of the story and see how the father got unbelief because he didn't start out in unbelief. He actually brought his child to Jesus with the full expectation that he was going to be healed. He would have never been in the same place with Jesus. He would have never been in, in the same area with the disciples if he didn't have an expectation, even if it was a small expectation of something happening for him and his son. But then something takes place before he actually has an encounter with Jesus in person that begins to rob him of his expectation. So we need to see what that is because everything that you experience in life either leads you to expecting God to move and we call that faith or expecting something else and we call that fear. And so your experiences are pushing you either towards fear or towards faith. And we know that God didn't give us a spirit of fear. And I want you to be so built up on faith and so built up on expectation in God that nothing can shake it. You might say this is a detour. You might say this is a roadblock. This is a pause. But you always go to bed every night believing that God loves you and that he wants the best for you. You wake up every morning expecting God to move. And so before we look at um, verse 18, I want to just define expectation for you. And it's going to sound real familiar. Expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or that it'll be the case in the future. It's a strong belief that something will happen or something will be the case in the future. That sounds a lot like faith, doesn't it? Because faith is also belief. But the difference between expectation and faith is that faith is belief to the point that you're ready to put action to it. It's belief backed up by action expectation is just a belief. I, I believe that something's going to happen. I believe something's going to happen. I believe something's going to happen. Let me give you an example. I often have an expectation that the ice cream machine at McDonald's is going to be broken. 
<laughs> Many of you guys have that expectation too. A lot of times my children want a milkshake or they want a sundae or whatever, and we get in the McDonald's drive through line, and I often have an expectation that it's going to be broken. And that expectation is based on my experience with the food chain in the past, that there have been so many opportunities that I've gone there wanting to get ice cream for my children. But then when I get to the drive-through and I speak into the speaker, I do all of my part. I come, I show up, I get in line, I have my money. When they say, may I take your order? I open up my mouth and I speak with clarity and boldness and I ask for what I want and then I don't get what I want. And so that has given me the opportunity to develop an expectation that the machine is not going to be working. But the reason why that's not faith, because expectation is linked to believing. Faith is linked to knowing. Faith is believing so much that you are willing to act on what you believe. Because if I had faith that the ice cream machine wasn't working, I would never get in line to begin with. And so expectation just kind of says, okay, this is what I think is going to happen. Faith is more like this is what I know is going to happen. And as a result, I'm going to act on what I know. I believe that this podium can hold my weight, so I'm going to lean on it. Uh, I expect for the podium to crumble, so I'm not going to lean on it. I'm just going to I'm shake it. I'm going to think about it. And so when you have expectation, expectation is the beginning of faith. Write that down. Expectation is the beginning of your faith. It's just for you to be develop the mindset and the habit that I'm willing to believe something. And I might not be to the point yet that I can act out on it, but I expect something good to happen for me today. I, ex I expect to be healed. I expect to be delivered. I expect that he's going to propose. I expect that she's going to say, yeah. Now, faith would be... I expect that he's going to propose, so I'm going to go get my nails done so that when he puts the ring on, it'll look great. Faith for the guy would be, I'm expecting her to say yes, so I'm going to make a reservation in a nice restaurant. I'm going to reserve the gazebo at our favorite park. I'm going to make sure we're on the front car, the roller coaster, or however you plan on proposing. You go ahead and you put some action to it. So here's this father who is in great expectation and faith. His son is sick. He is it says that he has a spirit, a dumb spirit, and he gnashes his teeth and he foams at the mouth and he does all this stuff. And so the father hears about Jesus. He hears about Jesus healing the sick. He hears about Jesus working miracles. He hears about Jesus doing all these things. So with expectation, he shows up to the place where Jesus is ministering that day because he believes that something could happen for his son. And then in verse 18, at the end of the verse, it says, and I spoke to the disciples and that they should cast him out and they could not do it. And so he had an expectation that the same power and authority that lived on the inside of Jesus was the same power and authority that lived on the inside of the disciples. So now he brings his son and he doesn't get to Jesus. He gets to the disciples. He tells the disciples what's going on. The disciples pray for him. The disciples try to cast out the spirit. They can't do anything. So now his expectation is broken. 
And so we will sometimes develop an inability to have expectation based on what we have experienced in the past. If we have experienced people lying to us a lot, then we begin to believe that people are going to lie to us. And we don't have any expectation for someone to tell us the truth. We don't have any expectation for someone to deal with us in integrity because we have talked to the disciples and told them our problem and they could not do it. Even though they said they knew Jesus, even though they walked with Jesus, even though they lived with Jesus, when we needed something, that person who went to my church couldn't fix it. When I needed something, my mother who said she was born again couldn't pray for me. When I needed something, my cousins who said they prayed, I went to the place, I didn't get the job. And so now my expectation is being depleted because the people around me have failed, because the ice cream machine is always broken, because the drive-through line always goes slow because the traffic is always jammed up because of this. But there's a remedy for this. If you look at Hebrews chapter 12, and we can turn there and keep your thumb here. We're going to come back here to Mark. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy who was set before him endured the cross despising the shame is set down at the right hand of the father of the throne of God. And so it says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now expectation is the beginning of faith and accomplishing is the end of faith. So if you look back here at Hebrews 12, read it like this and looking unto Jesus, who is the author of our expectation and our accomplishments, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And so we know that there was no physical joy in Jesus going to the cross, but he had the ability to look past that temporary discomfort, to look past that temporary uh, pain, to look past what felt like a temporary betrayal of the father and have an expectation of the joy that was past what he was going through, that was past that. And so now the, the author is telling us, now you look to Jesus. Don't look to the disciples. Don't look to your friends. Don't look to your experiences. Don't look to the boyfriends who treated you bad. Don't look to the girlfriends who treated you bad. Don't look to the job who was not fair to you. Don't look to any of that stuff. But as a believer, you have to set your expectation based on Jesus and his ministry and who Jesus is. And when you begin to set your expectation in Jesus, you'll get to the point that you develop the faith enough to begin to act on that. And then Jesus will carry it through and be the finisher of your faith to allow you to accomplish or to be an accomplisher of everything that you were expecting from the beginning. And so you have expectation, the believing of faith, and then you believe it enough to put some action to it. And then you're empowered by Jesus to finish it. And so now you're able to finish the course. You're able to go through simply because you started out with expectation. A person who understands expectation understands Jeremiah 29 and 11 that says that God has an expected end for me. And so it doesn't matter what it looks like around me. God has an expected end for me. So I'm going to wake 
wake up every day. I'm going to get in my car every day. I'm going to walk every day. I'm going to have conversations every day. I'm going to go to the meetings in the boardroom every day, expecting to be a person of authority, expecting to be loved, expecting to be well, expecting to receive favor, expecting to receive grace, expecting. And so now my expectation based on what God has said about me is framing my mindset and framing my world. And so when things go on around me and things will go on around me, I don't allow those things to rattle me. I don't allow those things to shake me because my expectation is, is in what God has said. And God said that he wants to bring me to an expected end. And that expected end is connected with who Jesus is, not who I am, but who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for me and what the blood won for me and what he's doing on the right hand of the father right now, interceding for me. So I don't ever have to be without expectation, even though I may have expect had experienced something bad in the past, but now I'm looking unto Jesus. I'm not looking in the past to get a gauge on what I should be believing, but I'm believing based on what's before me and what God has promised me. But this father didn't understand that because again he goes in faith because before we used to beat him up and say well he said lord i believe but help my unbelief he need to be in faith and jesus helped him get in faith well he wouldn't have showed up if he wasn't already in faith but it was what he encountered when he got there that tried to tweak his expectation sometimes you go to a place and you're expecting things to go smoothly because you have everything that the website said you're supposed to have you have everything that the professor said you're supposed to have you have everything and then you get there and then there's another caveat that no one mentioned to you. So this man, he gets there. So by the time he gets to Jesus, he's frustrated because he's a father and he loves his son. But he's a man of faith. That's why he showed up. And he believed that Jesus had power. That's why he showed up. And he asked for prayer. And that's why he showed up. And he wanted to see his son healed. And that's why he showed up. And then he hits a wall and his expectation gets crumbled. Have you ever had that happen? That you felt like you had all of your ducks in a row, but then something happens and it shakes your expectation. So then Jesus says to him in verse 23, we already read it. Let's read it again. It says, and Jesus said, if thou can believe all things are possible to them that believe he said if thou can expect if you can let your expectation have if you could just believe this all things are possible to them that believe. The person who believes they're going to get the job, they may not get that particular job, but they're going to get the one that, that God has for them. And when you get a no, it's not man telling you no, but it's God protecting you from something that you did not see. When the mortgage company says no, it's not the mortgage company saying no, it's God protecting you from something that you didn't see because your expectation is that God wants the best for me. God has my best will at heart. And so whenever something doesn't work out for me, it's not any other force working in my life, but it's God protecting me, keeping me on the right path, leading me to that expected end that he has for me. And the Lord says, and the father says straightway, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He says, Lord, I had expectation, but help me get back into expectation. Help me get back into faith. God, I came here believing. God, I came here knowing. God, I was ready to receive. And then I ran into this person and I ran into that person and that person lied and that person cheated. And this situation happened and the interest rates changed and the economy did this and this happened and that had God. 
God, I was believing, but then I ran into something to stop me from being able to believe. God, help me get back to that place. Help me to remove the memory of that situation. Help me, God, get back to the place that my full expectation is in you. Even though it looks like I've been failing, God, I'm expecting you to turn around. Even though it looks like my health isn't well, God, I'm expecting you to turn around. God, help me get back to the place that I have a childlike faith and I just believe you, God. I just believe you. And then Jesus goes into the next verse and he heals the son because it's this man crying out for help. It's this man being honest about where he is. It's this man coming to God, knowing that God can help him, that is getting him back in faith. And so now God wants to override the experience that he had with the disciples and show him that I'm not going to allow your expectation to go without fulfillment. When you believe in me and you have full expectation in this word and not in your own ability, like Pastor Russell was saying last week, about the rich person sometimes having to take off the accolades and take off the degree and just stand flat-footed before God saying, God, I'm just here, a person of faith ready to receive you. It's not going to happen because I'm smart. It's not going to happen because I'm cute. It's not going to happen because I'm tall. It's not going to happen because I have a title in the kingdom. It's not going to happen because of any of that. It's going to happen because God, you said it could happen. Because God, you said I could have it. Because God, you ordained this in the very beginning because God you have an expected end for me and God help me get back to that place of purity that I am simply expecting you to move in my life and so here this father is he comes to God with expectation his expectation gets derailed he goes to God and tells God get tells God all about it and then his son gets healed now what do you think that did for all of the people because it says in verse 17, that there's a multitude there. So now all the people who are overhearing this and all the people who are witnessing this now get an opportunity to build their expectation because if Jesus can heal his son, if Jesus can renew his faith, if Jesus can restore his expectation, he can absolutely do the same thing for me. And so I want you to just think about what has robbed you for, of your expectation. What has robbed you of the ability to simply believe God to the point that you move over into faith where you're acting out on it? If it's a spirit of offense, let it go. If it's unforgiveness, let it go. If it's a relationship that went sour, doesn't matter whose fault it was, let it go. If it was a parent who wasn't there for you, let it go. If it was you trying to model yourself after the world system, let that go. Whatever it is, get into the face of God like this person, like this father, and say, God, I had expectation. God, I had faith. Something happened to derail, to derail it. Now, God, I need your help. Because it's through that honesty and through that level of vulnerability and transparency that you're going to be able to release the heaviness and the burden of always expecting something bad to happen and get into the place where you wake up knowing every single day that I am expecting God to move on my behalf. I am totally expecting it. 
and that you're looking unto Jesus in Hebrews 12, the author and the finisher of your faith, that Jesus is the author. It's not what you experienced. It's not who you encountered. It's not what you've been through. It's not what you didn't go through. It's not the club you couldn't get in. It's not the club that you got in. None of that stuff matters, but Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith faith process that begins with expectation, moving into faith and ending with accomplishing whatever God has charged you your hand. Now turn over to Genesis. I hope this is good to y'all. This is so good to me. Genesis, we're going to do a lot in Genesis. I'm going to talk you through a lot of it. And we want to look at Abram and how he develops this relationship with God that allows him to get into expectation. And this is so just exciting to me because you see Abram's humanity. You see him not as the father of faith that we call him now, but when he first started out with God and he was a worshiper of the moon and the stars and the heavens and things like that. And that's why we don't say I'm putting something out into the atmosphere or I'm putting something out to the universe. We don't give any credit to the universe for anything because we serve the God that created the universe. We're not speaking things just, you know, put the unit. If, if, if the universe and the stars and the moons line up, we're not, that's what, that's where Abram was. And that's where God was calling Abram out of that. We have to understand that we serve the only true and living God, the creator of the sun, the creator of the moon, the creator of the stars, the creator of the universe, the one that we live in and then the other universes that are out there. We serve the God who created all of that. And so we're not putting anything out into the universe so the universe can bring something back to us. Our full expectation is in God. And so here's Abraham in verse 12, I'm sorry, chapter 12 of Genesis. And we see God calling Abram for the first time. And we pick one Abram because God tells him to get away from his family and get away from his city and get out of his town and start a new religion, a new way of faith thinking. And he's going to give him some instruction in a little while. Now, Abram doesn't do all of that. He leaves his city. He stops worshiping the moon and begins to serve the true living God, but he brings Lot with him. And let's not throw stones at Abram because Abram is learning how to trust God. He's learning how to have a relationship with God. And even though God told him not to bring Lot with him, how many times does God tell us to do something and we do nine out of 10 of what God said or eight out of 10 of what God said or seven out of 10 of what God said? And even in that, God still kept him. He wasn't able to give him the full of the promise until he got in total obedience, but God still kept him. But he understood, he meaning God understood that this was new for Abram. And Abram was learning how to have relationship with God. And so we see um, Abram and Lot in chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. And then in chapter 15, God gives Abram a vague promise. He gives him a really vague promise. Look at um, uh, 15. Let me flip over. Uh, look at verse. God tells him that he's going to give him, uh, let me see, verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came and said, seeing, and said, saying, this shall not be thy heir, but he that has come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thy heir. And then they go down and Abram says to God in verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 
8, he says, Lord, how will I know? So now they get into a place of relationship that God is speaking to Abram about what he's going to do in his life. And Abram is so comfortable with God now that he questions God. Something that people will tell you don't do. Don't ever question God. Just be so happy that you're alive and you're in the land of the living and be happy you have a house and be happy you have a car and you just deal with whatever God gives you. Abram goes to God and he says, God, how will I know? You know, you're saying this is going to happen, God, but how am I going to know? Abram is asking him, God, how can I set my expectation? How can I begin to have faith in this area? How will I know? And then God tells Abram, bring an offering and see what I do with your offering. And so when you ask God a question, be ready for the answer because God then gives Abram the assignment to bring an offering. So the promise that God gave Abram was that even though he and Sarah were advanced in age, they were going to have a baby. And Abram was having a hard time setting his expectation on the manifestation of that because that promise was so huge. It was something that they had wanted their whole lives. And now Abram is almost 100 and Sarah is almost 90 and God is giving this promise and telling him how great his son is going to be. And he says, God, how am I going to know? He wants to believe. He wants to believe, but he is still developing a trust relationship with God. And so then in chapter 16, Ishmael is born. And this is where Abram uh, sleeps with Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar, and he has a baby. Because now they're saying, well, God said we could have it. But instead of us waiting on God and expecting God to make it happen, we're going to use the tools that God gave us and make it happen for ourselves. And so now they're moving away from faith and into fear. They have an expectation that it's going to happen, but that expectation is fueled by fear that their bodies won't work. So we're going to take what God gave us. God gave us a staff. God gave me a degree. God gave me connections. God gave me money. God gave me this. And I'm not going to be still and allow God to give me instruction on how to do it. I'm going to go out and make it happen for myself. And so then Ishmael is born. You guys know the story. It wasn't a good situation. Sarah was mad and Hagar was mad and Abram was frustrated and the, the household was all in disarray because his expectation was still not in God. His expectation was in the stuff that God gave him and he thought that he could make it happen on his own based on the stuff that God gave him. And then in chapter 17 of Genesis, God has another conversation with Abram and he changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And then in 17 and 15, he gives him the promise of Isaac. And he says, this son, Ishmael, is not the one that I promised you. This is not the expected end that I have for you. This is something that you created on your own. But because I'm God and because of my very nature, I'm still going to bless Ish Ishmael, but my covenant is going to lie with Isaac. And so even though sometimes we get out before God, God said, I'm not going to leave you out there by yourself because of the nature of who I am. I'm going to still bless it, but that's not the covenant promise that I have for you. So again, God is setting Abraham. He's Abraham now. He's setting his expectation, getting him to believe. And then in verse uh, chapter 18, verse 14, uh, he says to God, uh, he says, I'll read it for you. Genesis 18 and 14 is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Abraham is still trying to set his expectation. He's still trying to believe God. He's still trying to trust God. Now he's saying, is anything too hard for God? And then in um, 18 and 20, Abraham goes in and he intercedes for Sodom. He's going about his covenant duty. It's, I still don't have what I want, but I'm still going to keep doing what God called me to do. God called me to be a righteous man. He called me to intercede. He called me to be the father of faith. I'm still believing for what I want. I'm still setting my expectation, but me setting my expectation doesn't give me a pass from doing kingdom business. And so you see him interceding for Sodom. And then... We finally get over to Genesis 22 and in Genesis 22 is when, and Genesis 21 is where Abe, um, is where Isaac is born. And then we get to Genesis 22 when Isaac has, to, when uh, Abram, Abraham has to take Isaac up to be sacrificed on the mountain. Now let, let's just kind of go back over Abraham's relationship with God before we talk more about this. And we're going to be in Genesis 22 and we're going to actually end here in Genesis 22. So God calls Abram out of his town and Abram disobeys and God still blesses him. God tells him and his wife that they're going to have a baby. The wife literally laughs, laughs in the face of God. Um, he tells uh, a king, Abimelech, that Sarah is his sister. He's supposed to leave Lot behind. And he allows Lot to come with him. And there are so many other examples of Abram missing it when God gives him an assignment. But every time Abram, who became Abraham, misses it, God still shows up. God still blesses him. God still gives his love to him. God is showing him, Abram, you can expect the best from me. You can expect my promises. Everything that I tell you is going to happen. Everything that I say is truth. I am God. I cannot lie. And so what we see is a series of Abraham being disobedient. It's really the stepping stones for him building his faith. When you meet somebody new, you really don't know what to expect out of them. So you go into that relationship guarded. You know, you know, well, my last boyfriend, he did this. And my last girlfriend did this. My last super supervisor did this the last time i started a new friendship with a another woman of faith it didn't go well the last time i did this and so you go and guard it and that person has to give you the opportunity for you to see that you can trust them and abraham's relationship with god is no different he's going through and god is giving him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to say abram even when you miss it i don't even when you don't show up like you should, Abram, I do. Even when you break promises to me, Abram, I don't break promises to you. Even when you don't do what's right, I still do it. And you see God sticking with Abram and Abram sticking with God. And they're developing this relationship because God is trying to bring Abram to this expected end. He's trying to get Abram all of the promises that he gave him. He's trying to build Abram's expectation so that he can move over into faith so that Abram can become who he's ultimately called to be, the father of faith in whom we are Abraham's seed now in 2022. And so when we get to Genesis chapter uh, 22, we see that now Abram has made all of these mistakes 
And in those mistakes, it begins to mold his expectation because when Abram makes a mistake, he turns his face back to God. Abram messes up and he turns back to God. And every time he turns back, God is still there. So even if somebody does you wrong, I want you to turn back to God. Even if somebody lies on you, you turn back to God. You get denied for the promotion. You turn back to God. They tell you you're going to get the bonus and you don't get it. You turn back to God. Your loved one is sick. You turn back to God. You allow Jesus to be the author and the faith and the finisher of your faith. No matter what, you turn back to God. And through you continuously turning, you continuously re re uh, focusing, you continuously uh, rotating yourself in the direction of God, it's going to build your expectation and allow you to be able to live a life of expectation. So here we see Abram has gone through all of it. It was so bad. Abram needed a name change. He had to go through a whole identity change because of who he had been. And now the man that he was becoming was a man who had full expectation in God. So in Genesis chapter 22 and look at uh, verse five. And he's about to go take um, his son, Isaac, the son that he had been believing for for years, the son that wasn't born until he was a hundred years old, the thing that he wanted more than anything, God asked him for it. God asked him to sacrifice his only son so that he could be honorable to God. And look at verse five. And so Abram and Isaac and two of Abram's uh, household uh, staff are going up to the mountain for Isaac to be sacrificed. And Abram says in verse five, and Abram said unto his young men, abide here with the, with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you again. So now God has given him very clear instruction for him to take Isaac and sacrifice Isaac on the altar. But now Abram has an expectation from God that even when it seems like I have to give my last, even when it seems like I have to give up what's most important to me, even when it seems like it's not going to work well for me, even when it seems like I'm getting the short end of the deal, that I'm going to be left empty, I still expect God to move because he says to them, the lad and I are going to go over and worship and we are going to come back again. Abram now has a full expectation that even though he messed up with Lot, even though he messed up with Abimelech, even though that he messed up with Hagar and Ishmael, even though he didn't always get it right, that God had been faithful. And all he has to do is believe God, not believe him. He has to believe God, not to believe all his accolades and accomplishments. He has to believe God. And at this point, Abraham fully believes God. His expectation is fully in God. And he says to them in verse eight, and we will come back again to you. And then uh, that was verse five. Then in verse eight, Abraham says, my son, God, so uh, Isaac asks him in verse seven, father, we're, we've done this before. We've worshiped before. We've done this thing before. I see the firewood. I see all the other stuff. Where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? Where is the goat? Where is the ram? What are we going to sacrifice? And Abram says in verse eight, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they, so they went both of them together. Now, again, Abram is in full expectation. His servants or his uh, staff ask him what's going on. He says, the lad and I are going to go worship and come back. 
Now, Isaac is saying what's going on. He's saying God's going to provide for himself. God's going to make himself look good. God's going to, I have a full expectation that God is going to provide a lamb for himself. He didn't say, well, Isaac has been nice. I've enjoyed being your dad. He had a full expectation. So then they go up and he ties Isaac down. He puts him on the altar. He does everything as he usually would. He goes to lift up the knife before he comes down to strike Isaac with it. And the angel of the Lord says, no, don't do that. God now knows that you trust him. God now knows that your expectation is fully in him. Don't lay a hand on your son. Don't touch him. There's a ram in the bush and they go get the ram that's in the bush and they come and sacrifice that. And then in verse 14, and Abraham calls the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, Jireh as it is said this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And Jehovah Jireh means our God who sees and gets involved or another way of saying is the God who provides. And so Abram has so much expectation that God provides the ram for him. Now imagine what would have happened if he was complaining the whole time. If he had said, I'm not going to serve God anymore. I don't like how this is going. He understood that even though it didn't look like it was working out for him, it was going to work out for him because he could expect only the best from God. But then what I really like about this story, that one of the names that we call on all the time, Jehovah Jireh, Abram is the one who gave God that name, that you can be in a relationship with God that's so powerful and so intimate that now you get to coin a name from God that other people will come behind you in a spirit of legacy and call God what you call them, the, the God of the Cassius, the God of the Johnsons, the God of the Smiths, the God of the of the Browns, the God of the Myers, the God of the Joneses, the God of the Grazes, because they see how good your God is. And to this day, we still use the term Jehovah Jireh, because when you're in relationship with God and you have an expectation, you can begin to call him something so much that other people will pick up on it and begin to call him that as well, because that's how powerful your relationship is. And that's how much of a witness your expectation would be. And so simply because Abraham was an expectation, he gets to give God a name. Now my name uh, has, my mom and dad gave me my name and then Pastor Russell came and changed my last name. But it wasn't until Joseph was born that I got the title of mom. It wasn't until Tori is born that I get the title of mom times two. And then it's not until a long time from now that they, when they have children, that I get the title of grandmother. And so somebody's new experience can change my name. If I become a CEO, now I'm the CEO. If I go get my law degree, now I'm Esquire. If I go get an MD degree, now I'm doctor or physician. So God can change your name or change your title. And now Abraham went from calling him Yahweh to calling him Jehovah Jireh because now he knew him as a provider. And you can know him as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals us. You can know him as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord God, our banner in a time of war. You can know him as El Shaddai, the many-breasted one, meaning that he's able to feed every single need. You can call him Jehovah Gamola, the Lord God of our recompense. But it's through you building relationship with him that you begin to expect 
expect him to move no matter what. But when your relationship with him is weak or distant, your expectation will waver based on what's going on around you. But when you are like Abram and just stick with God, you mess up. Stick with God. You turn away, turn back to God, you miss it, stick with God, and then you'll develop the confidence to be able to label God as something so personal for your life. And you'll be able to have expectation no matter what. And so your assignment today is to reevaluate your expectations. What are you expecting God to do in your life right now? And if you say, Pastor Vita, I'm not expecting anything. You are in a, bl a blessed position because you're like the dad in Mark chapter nine. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Pastor Vita, I used to expect great things, but I've had such a string of bad things. I don't know what to expect. I want you to get into the face of God. Put on some worship music. As soon as the service is over, go to the Flow Church uh, pep set and listen to some worship music and get your expectation back in God. Remember that he's the one who created you. Remember that he's the only one who can bless you. Remember he's the only one who can define who you are, that your very name was picked out by God, that you're an heir and a joint heir, that you're above only and never beneath, that you are the lender and not the borrower, that you are another speaking spirit, that there's life and death in the power of your tongue, that you are called to be an evangelist, that you're called to be a witness of his goodness, that you're called to build disciples, that you are mighty in the earth, that you are a wise woman and you're able to build a house, that you're an MVP, a man of vision and power, that all of these things are happening for you, that you are an anointed couple. You are more than a power couple. You're an anointed couple. Think about everything that God has said about you and put anything that any label that anybody else has put on you aside. That doesn't apply to me anymore. That doesn't apply to me anymore. But I am who God says that I am. And I was created in his image. I was created for such a time as this. And God is equipping me to do everything he needs me to do, but my expectation is fully on him. And I'm expecting this to be the best week of my year. I'm expecting tomorrow to be the best day. I'm expecting to wake up feeling great. I'm expecting to sleep well tonight. I'm expecting to have enough because Jehovah Jireh is going to show up. I'm expecting to be able to finish my ministry assignment. I'm expecting to do ministry. I'm expecting to help the vision of my church go forward. I'm expecting to be a tither living under an open heaven. I'm expecting to be an offering giver. I'm expecting to be deeply loved by others. I'm expecting my marriage to be blessed. I'm expecting my children to be happy and healthy. I'm expecting for my family to be blessed because I'm a part of it. I'm expecting for my company to do well this quarter just because I'm there. I'm expecting a promotion. I'm expecting healing. I'm expecting joy. I'm expecting peace. I'm expecting grace. I'm expecting to like what I see when I look in the mirror. I'm expecting everything that's on my goal list. I'm expecting the promises of God to show up. I'm expecting, I'm expecting, I'm expecting, I'm expecting. And at the moment that your expectation begins to waver, you go right back to Jesus and say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. You don't necessarily talk to anybody else about it. You get right back to the place of origin for you, which is the blood of Jesus, which is the ministry of Jesus. And you allow God to minister to you. And you remember, 
remember Abram, how many times he messed up, but yet God still provided for him. And God says that he is no respective person, that what he does for one, he will always do for another. So you don't ever have to worry about getting it perfect. Just be willing to always turn back to Jesus and put your expectation there. And I have an expectation that you are going to have an absolutely amazing week. I have an expectation that you are healed. I have an expectation that your life is blessed. I have an expectation that this ministry is blessing thousands. I have an expectation of us experiencing exponential growth. I have an expectation for the same anointing that rests on my life to rest on every woman uh, connected with this ministry. I have an expectation that we are a community of people who are following Christ, loving others and working on ourselves, that we're teaching the, that we're impacting the community, that we're teaching the word, that we're exhibiting Christ and we're drawing thousands. I should have said teach first and exhibit second, but y'all know where how I got there. That is my expectation. And I refuse. Y'all hear me. I refuse to be moved off my expectation. My expectation is fully in Christ. Not anything that I've done, but because of what Christ has done. Not any uh, degree that I have, but because of the stripes on his back. Not anything that I have accomplished because he is interceding for me right now at the right hand of the father. And I have all of that expectation for you. So I declare you blessed, I declare you healed, I declare you happy, I declare you well, I declare you prosperous in the name of Jesus because it's what he said about you. Well, I pray the word bless you today. We again are so happy that you are here with us. We want you to continue to come back and visit with us over and over again. If you've never visited our website, please visit our website and you can see what events are coming up um, in the next couple of weeks here at Flow Church. Um, if you've never joined this church, we want you to join this church, but we want you more than that to become born again. We want you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's not about what you did or what you didn't do or what you can do or what you won't do. It's about you simply making a decision to believe that Jesus is Lord. And when you do that, then you can begin to set your expectation on Christ and begin to move in the direction to that expected end that God has for you. And then from there, you can join this church and then join the study group. Study groups are a heartbeat of our church. There are small groups that will be a place of accountability for you, a place of love for you, a place of growing, a place of developing deep relationships. And Pastor Russell and I will be so honored to be your pastor and first lady, to be an example of godliness before you, to be an example of this word, to live this word out before you, to minister to you with power and authority, to minister the truth of the word of God, to always have God's agenda in our hearts and never our own agenda to help you grow, to help you flourish, to help you follow Christ, love others, and work on yourself. And then lastly, we want to invite you to give. Giving is a blessing. We are a community of givers. We don't have to give. We get to give. We enjoy giving. It is who we are. It is what we do. We are a philanthropic community and we begin first with the kingdom. We begin first with our home church, the place that we're being fed, the place that we're receiving counseling, the place with the, where the study group leaders are praying for you and laboring on your behalf, the place where the intercessory prayer team gets up every morning, Monday through Friday, early to pray for you. That's where our tithe belongs. And we are a group of, in, of in people of integrity who sow into the kingdom to take care of the kingdom. And then from there, we might branch out. 
And so go ahead and give right now. Don't wait, give right now. And they're putting all the giving information on the screen. We make it convenient for you to give through a number of different channels. Pick the one that works best for you and we want you to give. And there is a blessing associated with your giving. The Bible says that you should never give out of necessity or grudgingly, but God loves a cheerful giver and he won't ever do without a cheerful giver. He says that he always gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so we want you to be able to have the seed that you need to make your dreams come true by first taking care of God's stuff first. And so give on today. Don't debate about it and think about it. Just give. Now, I'm not bullying you. I'm encouraging you to be a giver for you to have a stake. Remember, uh, Abraham said, God, how will I know? And God said, bring me an offering. So if there are some questions that you have in your heart, God, how will I know that this is going to happen? How will I know that's going to happen? Bring God an offering and see what happens and just, you know, just see what happens. And so we want you to be a giver. Again, thank you for being here. On behalf of my husband, Dr. Russell Cash, our senior pastor, we are so honored to minister to you on today. We love you so very much. I don't know what time you're watching this, but we have Children's Church at 1130. So if you're watching this at 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock, then you can join us for a 1030 service. Uh, at 630, we have a rebroadcast. So I think Children's Church is rebroadcast at 6 o'clock. And so you can get word for your children as well. Have a wonderful, 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 wonderful week. Be in great expectation. Wake up every day expecting God's best for you and your loved ones. Have a wonderful week. We love you. God bless.